friends, I'm Anna, and you're listening to A Soft Existential Crisis, a podcast where I reflect on how I'm trying to doggy paddle my way to self-acceptance, and maybe even happiness. Welcome back to A Soft Existential Crisis. It was an unexpectedly tough week, and I say unexpectedly because I didn't think I could feel so emotional about a celebrity death. I'm talking, of course, about Kobe Bryant's passing, as well as the other passengers um, who were in the helicopter with him at the time, including his 13-year-old daughter. Um, You know, I have no attachment to the sports world at all. I've never been to a professional sports game of any kind. I don't know what football or soccer or baseball rules are. I just enjoy the World Cup when it happens once every four years. So I wasn't even a fan of Kobe um, like growing up as a sports fan, um, but I guess I must have seen him as an inspirational figure. Um, I found out about the accident on Sunday, just like everyone else did, and I just felt odd for a few hours. And and then at night, when I was trying to fall asleep, I just felt like, I don't know, I really felt devastated, like as sad as I'd feel as if I had an emotional attachment to him, and I must have in a way, because when I woke up on Monday morning, I still felt devastated, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it, and I just felt so heavy and down all day, and even Tuesday, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. He was a public figure known for his extraordinary talent, but beyond basketball, um, I liked his story, and I liked his drive to create things. Um, I liked the fact that he had lived in Italy for a time in his childhood and that he was fluent in Italian. He was a third culture kid. I liked that he grew up in the same part of Pennsylvania that I'm from. When he uh, retired from basketball, um, the way he wanted to do it was by writing a goodbye poem, and he turned his poem into an animated short film that won the Oscar for Best Animated Short that year, and that's probably when like I became a real fan. He worked with the best of the best. He went straight to Glenn Keane, who is a legend in the animation world, and he also reached out directly to legendary film score composer John Williams. Um, Apparently, recently, he was in the middle of trying to produce animated content for young black people, Um, and as Obama put it, he was just getting started on his great second act. I don't know, I guess I felt like he was like one of us, people who appreciate art. It's also been devastating to see pictures of him and his daughter all over social media, how he was so proud that she was following in his footsteps as a basketball athlete. He had four daughters and he was loud and proud of being a girl dad. And the world could have had um, 
could have had many, many, many more years of his inspirational spirit. I just can't imagine the kind of grief his family must be feeling. There's actually been a lot of death in and around my life recently. Um, this week, a friend's dad passed away really soon after a cancer diagnosis. Um, on New Year's, I learned that a high school friend passed away on New Year's Eve. And uh, death r didn't suit him at all. Like He was really full of energy and he was an entrepreneur a small business owner, a constant traveler. He loved to learn new things. Um, really smart guy. He was a much-loved member of the DC Gay Men's Chorus, and he had so many more years left to offer. A friend of my parents passed away this month, too, when a cancer came back. Um... Last year, a New York acquaintance, uh, someone I worked with before, committed suicide, and I wish he knew that his talent and support were really valuable to so many people. Um, he was one of the first people to buy one of my artworks, and he paid me more than I asked for. It seemed like he had planned his death for a very long time. In a weird way, I... I'm more sad that he didn't plan on staying around for very long. Um, I think I was more sad about that than his actual passing. Like, had life been so painful for him? Did we just not know? Or, you know, how long had he been planning this? Last year, my uncle also died. Uh, my mom's younger brother, still in his 40s, he had a lot of health complications, and it seems like his body just kind of gave out. Um, you know, I wasn't so close to him. I met him only a handful of times in my life because he lived in Korea, and when I met him as an adult, he didn't seem to know how to interact with me. He just kind of like shyly observed me um, spending time with his young son. Death is one of the hardest parts of life, isn't it? The hardest death I ever dealt with was the death of my high school friend, Tom. He passed away from, I think, a heart attack or something with his heart um, went awry when we were 19, the summer after finishing freshman year of college. Um, he went to Penn State, and I had just finished Boston, my year at Boston College. We never talked about it, but I knew he was born with cerebral palsy um, because one of his hands was curled in, and he couldn't un uncurl it flat. Um, you know, it took me about three years to stop thinking about him daily after he died, and when I found out about his death, I was actually surrounded by my high school friends. We were in a local park, um, and I, I hated that I was surrounded by so many people. I just wanted to be alone with my thoughts, be somewhere quiet. I wrote in an essay in college 
about his death and how I dealt with it and I described the grief I felt as like a huge physical thing and every day I felt the grief thin slice by thin slice until a few years later um, I realized I had stopped thinking about him on a daily basis. One of the thoughts that got me through college was that um, I wanted to make him proud because he, you know, for whatever reason, believed in my talent. The first thought I had, weirdly, when I learned that Tom died was how I'd never get to go to his wedding. I wanted to be able to go to his wedding to congratulate him and I knew that I'd make so much fun of him and I'd be so happy for him and I wanted him to be at mine too. And at that age, I usually didn't think about stuff like that at all. Like, I think about weddings and stuff now because, you know, everyone my age is getting married. But but I guess at the time, that's how much I valued him, even though we, we didn't talk every day or anything after we left high school. Um, I still really valued his friendship, and I planned on being friends for a very long time. Um, but I wouldn't get to see him graduate college or achieve his goal of going to Yale Law School. Um, he was really bummed that he, he didn't get into Yale undergrad, um, but he joked around about being president someday with a nice girl by his side as his first lady. Um, to be honest, I don't even know why we were friends. I don't remember how it happened. Um, probably the only thing we had in common was that we both loved the Beatles. He loved the music I had on my pink iPod Nano. Um, I often played it um, on the speakers when we stayed um, late after school. But uh, somehow we became friends and he even convinced, you know, he and another friend somehow convinced the school cabinet to include me. Um, I was very quiet and shy and like no one knew who I was. Um, I don't know why, but he believed in me, and I've only told one other person this, but the last time I saw him, it was uh, during Thanksgiving break, the, our first break home from college ever. Uh, we met at the local Borders, um, because Borders hadn't shut down yet. Um, he was wearing this slightly too big grown-up leather jacket, and uh, he told me I was the only person from high school he cared to keep in contact with. At his funeral, I thanked his mom for um, giving us, giving him to us. Um, I, I didn't really look in the casket. I don't like to look at the dead in their caskets because it's not them anymore. Um, you know, it's just someone who, like, put their body in the, in the thing, and that's not the way I want to remember them. The older I get, actually, the more I value the few years I was friends with Tom, um, because I know how rare it is to find a good friend. Uh, we weren't in each other's lives for very long, if I think about it, 
uh, maybe about three years, even though it felt like way longer. Um, but I still think about him, you know, ten years later. You know, the way I deal with grief, it doesn't really help me to be with other people. Um, I don't like to talk about it. It helps to know someone else feels the loss as much as I do, but what gets me through is um, art and music, particularly music. You know, like when people go through a bad breakup, they often turn to sad songs. It just hits the same emotional place as grief does, I guess. And when I wallow in sorrow while listening to very sad, sappy love songs, it's a sort of salve for your heart. And instead of trying to suppress everything and make it go away, it helps to sort of quietly play out your your um, play out your sadness. Like the music acknowledges you how much you're hurting. One of my favorite ballads, by the way, is called In a Rush by Blackstreet. I actually know about this song because in high school, um, a K-pop group called Double S 501 um, sang a cover of this song uh, acapella style on a TV show. Um, And I had to look up on the internet what the original song was and... Luckily, I found it because it's one of my favorites. I, uh, like you, have a lot of life left to live. Um, and there's gonna be a lot more deaths. I suspect it won't get any easier, but I know with experience that, um, even if it doesn't feel like it, the sadness eventually does subside with time, slice by slice, day by day, and years later, you'll learn how lucky you were to have had these people in your life. So thank you, friends, for listening and for caring and supporting this podcast. I'll see you next week.